Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by our co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hello, Don. J.J., I just had coffee this morning yeah. with a gentleman who, who's become a friend. He's a former governor. Uh-huh. He's also teaching a class at Vanderbilt. It's Governor Haslam here in yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. He's been on the podcast for us. He's teaching a class at Vanderbilt. And he, he told me probably 90% of the students are idealist liberals. Now, this is a Republican <laughs> governor who's uh-huh. very centric kind of. Uh-huh. He's not even centric. He's just common sense guy. Yeah. And he talked about how they come to the table with these preconceived ideas about the world, uh-huh. right? He was t- talking to this about this to defend the idea that we really don't know what truth is yeah. because we buy into these, these kind of crazy ideas on the left and the right. And one of them is that the 1% are not paying their fair way. Share of taxes. Their fair share of taxes. Yeah. He said, and here's the actual data. 1% of the population of America makes 20% of the money. Yes. And pays 37% of all federal taxes. Interesting. <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, do you believe me? And I said, I mean, I've, I guess you've never lied to me before. Yeah. I've never, I do believe you. Yeah. And he said, Don, you're, you are very, very informed. You are a very, very informed person. So if you didn't know that was true, yeah. almost nobody does. Yeah. And the reality is we buy into narratives that create villains, that pit us against an, an outsider. Yeah, yeah. They, uh-huh. right? The 1% is they to 99% of us. <laughs> we buy into narratives because they fit into our brains in a way that makes us comfortable or helps us understand the world, even if they're fiction. Yes. Well, we know that the research really all shows that story is often more powerful than and that's, fact. And that's the point. The point is, if we can package truth inside of a narrative, truth, that yeah. is, not exaggerations, yep. just truth inside of a narrative, and help people understand it, we could crowdsource solutions. Yes. Because this isn't me saying the rich shouldn't be taxed anymore. So no, no. no. Yep. We, we still have poverty in this country. We have a lot of things that we have to deal with. But the problem is the numbers are extremely nuanced and complicated. That was yep. one of the things Governor Haslam and I talked about this morning of, of how we need to make some changes here. But the reality is these issues are way more complicated than a simple narrative yeah. is going to be able to explain. The problem is people are buying into a simple narrative. They're countering that narrative with the energy that that narrative was designed to spin up, yeah. <laughs> and neither the narrative or the counter-narrative are effective because the, the, the actual problem is much more nuanced than that. Yeah, or they just try to counter the narrative with factual numbers and not put them in a story. Or not put them in a narrative that a, people or can Or a philosophical framework, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, all of us are dealing with this in, in all sorts of agendas uh, yeah. that we have. Uh, we have data, for instance, let me give you an example. Every month, I get a P&L report. Uh-huh. Uh, every month we get uh, you know a breakdown of how we spent money in this company. It is a challenge for me to take those numbers and turn them into a cohesive narrative that I can use to move the company forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, they're just a bunch of numbers. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and it's not that I don't study the numbers, you have to study the numbers, but it's because that there isn't this narrative for me to understand it and yeah. move the company forward, it makes things very complicated, yes. and most, and I, I would venture to say 80% of the people listening who get those P&Ls actually don't even look at them anymore Yeah, because they can't figure out the narrative that these numbers are telling. Well, and the other thing, too, is that when you are conveying them, say uh, somebody who's in charge of a business comes out and is like, hey, guys, I'm just going to give you the facts of where we're at, Yeah, right? I've, I've been in businesses where it's like, hey, I just want to give you the numbers, and I want you to see where we're at. Right. And- the reality is when you do that without framing those numbers 
in a context and a narrative, one, people create their own. So they create a different story other than what maybe you had originally intended. And two, just giving numbers leaves people wide open. It gives casts no yes. vision of where you're supposed yeah. to go, what you're supposed to do with it, because then I'm left creating my own story with those numbers. The numbers have no narrative value. Yes. So for instance, let's say I'm a basketball coach and I pay some data analysts to come help me figure out how to improve my basketball team. Data analysts come back and says, Okay, you know, here's some things. Uh, your players uh, have their elbows pointing toward the floor 40% of the time. They tend to be taking an extra four seconds to get back on defense. Their arch on their three-pointers looks about 20% flat. Yeah. And you're just going, okay. But what the, the data analysts need to say is, look, we've shown a connection between elbows up and defensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we need to improve this from 50% to 80%. So here's the drill in order to improve that. Now, that is taking the data, yep. putting it inside of a narrative, and helping a leader and make sense of it. And when we incorporate make... this drill and our That's rebounds right. go up, then this is what how that ultimately reflects right. our winning. Cut four seconds off getting back on defense. We show that we have 18% uh, yeah. more block shots. Got to frame it. Yeah, you have to. Data frame is it. important, but if you don't frame it, it doesn't matter. And I, you know, this is one of the major problems in our country right now: is the data is not being framed in a way that we can understand it. Mm-hmm. For instance, we go another trillion dollars into debt every year. George W. Bush took us further into debt. Barack Obama took us further into debt. The debt has dramatically increased under the Trump administration. We're going, we're going faster than we've ever gone into more and more debt. That story is not being told, or why a twenty-one trillion dollar national debt matters. And so because nobody's telling that story in such a way people can understand it or find the pain points or the morality or immorality of it, nobody does anything. Yep. And that's the problem. That means your blood pressure is getting higher and higher and higher and higher every year, and you're heading toward a heart attack, and nobody's explained it in such a way that you can feel it today. Yeah. Or they do, it's just so boring. You say, you know, let me think about this over a slice of pizza, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> that's why today's guest is so important. Nancy Duarte is one of the world's leaders, if not the world's leader, in helping people give a speech. And really, she does something similar to us. We don't help people give speeches. In fact, we send them to Nancy Duarte. Yeah. But she does something similar to us, and she helps you take your very complicated ideas and important information and synthesize them down into the number of minutes you need to give a speech. Yep. And she's got one of the most popular TED Talks on all of the TED Talk library. She overlaps Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech with Steve Jobs' iPhone release. It's amazing. And shows how they're the same speech. Yeah. It's, that's a fascinating TED Talk. Yeah. We're so grateful to have her. Specifically, though, what she is thinking about now, and her new book is coming out soon, it's all about telling stories using numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think we've set up the fact that that's important. Yes. <laughs> and so if you have a story to tell with numbers, or if you want to take numbers and turn them into a narrative that can stimulate change yeah. and affect change... Today's podcast is going to be really important. It's also just geek out science fascinating. Right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, here's my conversation with Nancy Duarte. Nancy Duarte, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I think you're the world's leading expert on how to give a talk. How many people have you helped so far give a good speech or come up with a good speech? You and your company, your organization. Well, I know we've we've produced about a half a million presentations for others, and we've trained a couple hundred thousand in uh, in the training side. So. Yeah, that's does that make you feel good? Yeah, it does. I think it's all a shock. I mean, never would have dreamed it, right? Just yeah. a little wee wee child coming here to the Bay Area and making hay. It's been 
been quite glorious. I'm happy. I've been a big fan of you for a long time. I geek out on all your stuff, and I'm really geeking out on what you're doing now. You've got a new book called Data Story that's doing very well. So much gets lost because organizations and people, for that matter, cannot communicate the story of data. Every presidential candidate right now is struggling with this and, and uh, you know, trying to explain Medicare, Medicaid, the fact that Social Security is going to really hurt us in the long run, the, the problem in our population where there's too few people to pay into Social Security for the Those are all data stories. And if we don't understand those data stories, we make very, very bad decisions. Even on a small level, if you're just a manager of a division of a company and you can't take the data and explain to people what the data means in a narrative context to motivate them toward right behavior, it's going to cost a lot of money. Is your book the kind of book that helps us solve that dilemma if we have if we have to tell the story of data and we don't know how? Yeah. I mean, it's one chore to go in and explore the data and come up with a point of view about it. But when it comes time to explain it, you can actually use a story structure so that others will understand it. And the big thing about data is it's there for us to take action. And uh, that's a really key point of the part of the data story. So it is about explaining it well so others will understand it in its most simple terms and take action. Well, on page six, you talk about a study that I guess you did, I'm not sure, but you realize facts were not as memorable as stories. Only 5% of a surveyed audience remembered individual statistics. 63% remembered the stories. You say earlier in the book, with prolific digital devices and technological advancements, every person, place, thing, or idea can be measured and tracked in some way, but without identifying the story emerging from the data, it's of little or no value. So unless we can turn this stuff into a story, it's going nowhere. Exactly. It's just going to sit in a chart or sit in a database. By the way, that was uh, made to stick Chip and Dan Heath. It was a study I'm citing, but it is true. Like the minute that you attach a, a number with some sort of narrative or meaning, uh, it's more memorable. In our workshops, what we'll do is we split the room in half. We have half the room just state a number that means something to them. And the other half of the room states a number and says why it means something to them. Right. Like the number seven, I have seven siblings. I was born on the seventh, I, you know, whatever yeah. is the attachment of the meaning. And the whole class at the end of the day can remember the half of the room that attached some sort of meaning to their statistic. So it's really important that you attach relatable things, attach um, memorable things, but also how you structure what you're communicating around the data. Just the structure itself of the narrative is very important. Well, you talk about several things that you need to do. You need to become a communicator of data. You need to bring clarity through story structure. You need to make clear charts and slides. And you also must make data stick. Those are four things we can learn to do. I want to give you an example of a challenge that I'm dealing with right now. I've, I've started a, a nonprofit that I'm just researching right now and trying to figure some things out. It came because I was doing some consulting for an economist who was giving economic advice to the Vatican and Congress. But really discovered all this stuff about the tax code that is really unfair to my customers, middle class buyers, business owners. Basically, you and I, Nancy, and you know this, we're paying 39% or so in federal taxes. Our buddies who make the same amount of money running hedge funds are paying 11 only on what they spend. So it means about they're paying about 4%. And when you pile California on, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's closer it's, to 60%. You're at, 60%. Like, yeah, you're at 112%, <laughs> I think, when you add it all up. Give me some tips, and you can't get into the specifics yet, but okay, so help me. I've come to you. I'm a client. By the way, this is how I get $10,000 worth of free consulting. I just run a podcast. How do I, using the, your book, using your book, how do I craft a data point of view? 
Well, it's an interesting topic because I'm just as passionate about it because yeah. when Prop 30 came through, I had to hire three less people um, because of the tax code. So I think what happens is if, if you have to put it in the beginning, a middle, and an end, and in a story, you you know this because you're a story guy too, the middle is the messy middle. Right. That's the number that we want to turn around. That's the number you want to transform. So you have to explain why that number is wrong, why this is unfair, why it's unjust, and you have to actually explain that this number we want to change. You may want it to go up, you may want it to go down, but this messy middle number needs to change. And then your data point of view is what we call the third act, which is the happy ending. Therefore, if we do this and take this action and this action and this action, this is how the world will be happy. The numbers could turn to this, and this is why the world would be a better place if we do and it. And what's interesting about that is the third act, which is the kind of the happy ending, that's where you have to know who your hero is. Who is it really that's going to make that ending happy? So your our hero in this place um, are the unemployed or those who need jobs. I love that. We teach that at StoryBrand, as you know. Never play the hero, play the guide. You, you, are, the, you are the queen <laughs> <laughs> of of that idea. In fact, people say Donna was brilliant. I said, "Well, it's on, it's in Nancy Duarte's. I've, I credit her in the book. Don't give it to me." But, people text me all the time, like, "Wait, is, are you stealing from Don, or did he steal from you?" I, like, no, I made it clear in the other. book who stole from who. Yeah. So what you have to do is humanize uh, the characters in the data. That's in the make data stick section, where we have to talk about the plight of the unemployed or how many jobs. Like what I just did, I said, "Oh, prop." Thirty for me, a medium-sized business in California was three less employees that I could employ in California. So you have to also yeah. humanize it and say, who is the hero in this story? It is the either unemployed or underemployed, the people, because you and I, we hire the smartest and the best people, right? right. So to not, right. and we invest in them. We invest so much in our people and so that they can upskill and reskill. It's just astounding. You have to, and you have to humanize that. You have to, you have to personalize it. Okay. You talk about communicating to decision makers on page 33. When preparing to communicate data, think through who will be involved in its approval and tailor your approach to appeal to them. Right. Are you talking about the people who are going to be in the audience listening? Or are you talking about the people whose data you're using? Or both? Yeah, that's a great question because this book is much more um, less about stand and deliver presenting. This is right. more about crafting an explanation that maybe usually travels through organizations as a slide doc or a, a, a readable presentation instead of a presented one. Right. So in this particular case, communicating up in in organizations with multiple layers, a lot of time whoever's looking at, well, every role now has data, but whoever it is that's compiled the data and is making a recommendation, they need to know what is on the mind of an executive because there's six things that, you, that drive executive behavior and they're measured on. And if your recommendation doesn't hit a nerve and one of those six things that should never hit the executive's desk. Yeah. So they fly at a level that you have to be cognizant of. And then once you put that language in there and it hits that nerve, then you get an audience with the executive team. Okay. So after we know who we're talking to and we understand how to talk to them, bring some clarity through story structure. I'm curious because we, we obviously have a story framework. How do you fit story structure into a, a data delivery, a data piece of communication where you're having to communicate some, some narrative around data. Yeah, so that would be overlaying the actual recommendation into a three-act structure, similar to what I was doing for you. And that would be stating what the problem or opportunity is. Because when you go into data, there's either a problem you're solving or you found like the golden ticket. There's an opportunity in there. So you have to frame that in a three-act structure. So the first act is you state the current reality, which is classic storytelling. You yeah. start in the ordinary world and go into data, which is the special world. Act two is the messy middle. How messy is the data and what's wrong? 
wrong with it or what can we step on the gas with? And then the uh, third act is how, how great the world's going to be if we act this way to change or amplify the trajectory of the data. I'll be right back with the rest of my conversation with Nancy Duarte in just a moment. Well, if you want to figure out your company's story and you want to get everybody on the same page so that they can tell that story, so that other people listen, so that customers listen, so that shareholders listen, so that even your own team is aligned and listen and engaged in the story, you can do it in one and a half days. That's all it takes. Team alignment around a central message and the passion of living out a story all in one and a half days. How do you do it? You hire one of our private workshop facilitators. You know about the StoryBrand framework, but if you want your team to know about it and use it and apply it and achieve the deliverable of a narrative on one piece of paper that unites your team, hire a private workshop facilitator today. Just go to storybrand.com slash private workshops, storybrand.com slash private workshops. Make clear charts and slides. I think everybody, and partly you have made them afraid of using charts and slides at all because you have so many great tips on how to do it right. But can you give us just an overview of when a chart comes up on the screen, where we've swung and missed, and where we've hit a home run? Yeah, that's a great question. So what's interesting about data, you know, we have such deep, deep data. Today, we have magnificent, magnanimous tools to display data in charts that were nobody even 10 years ago could dream we would ever make. That data is so deep and the charts are so complex. They're even interactive, navigable. They're just a mess. Like I get these dashboards, I have to roll over and click on all kinds of stuff. So I went through, you know, we've worked with the top global brands in the world, like the highest performing brands on the stock exchange have all been our customers. So I went through about 25 of the top brands we've worked with gathered thousands and thousands of slides. And I looked at how did they talk about data? How did it come in? And then what did we do to shape it? And how did we send it back out? And that the shocking part was I thought I would come up with this magnificent like chart chooser for these complex data charts. And instead, it came right back to no matter what, when you're presenting data that needs to be understood by anyone, use a bar, a pie, or a line. Really? I was so disappointed, right? The, the amount of work it took to do this deep research, I was like, yeah. really? That's the insight? A bar, a pie, or a line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was just awful. But when you're an exec and you're a busy exec and you're trying to communicate up and down uh, your organization about data, take that one finding in your complicated chart and make it a bar, a pie, or a line. All right. I mean, that, yeah, it's super simple. Okay. And then the fourth is make data stick. And how do you cause people to remember the data walking out? I love that. Um, I think attaching it to something relatable, that's kind of similar to what I was saying we do in the workshop where they get yeah. to recall a memory associated with the data. Also the scale of the data, like how do you talk about the magnitude of the data? We're working at subatomic and massively large numbers and you got to figure out a way to connect a number to something so people can get their head around it. Um, And the other thing is the language that we use. If the number is fantastic, we should be expressive about it. If it's not so great, we should be 
disappointed about it. Like really right, actually right. show your affection. So I've, I've transcribed every single public facing speech Steve Jobs did. So when I got to this section, I actually looked at it because when I analyzed his work, I would say, oh, this is content. And I, I've always skipped over the data parts, right? I was like, oh, that's just data. I'm going to skip to the real meat. Right. And then I went back and looked at it. And he was pretty masterful at connecting the data to something familiar, being very expressive about the meaning in the data and actually really making it stick. And when you talk about data and present it specifically, you get to use time. So revealing data over time and creating suspense and, and using data over time and creating surprise by building the chart over time and people are gasping and wondering and, you know, it, there's just so many ways to get data to have emotional appeal without messing with the data, keeping the data true, but just how you reveal it over time can actually create emotional appeal of suspense and surprise too. I'm curious. I'm sure in researching this book and writing this book, you must have watched the movie The Big Short. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think? I mean, that's the only front line. The documentaries, you know, the front line documentaries can deal with data that well, where, where they're actually explaining very. And partly if you put Margot Robbie in a bubble bath and have her explain anything, we're, most of those guys are probably going to pay attention. <laughs> but you can't do that, right? In <laughs> the talk that you're giving. What do you think, the, in the making of that movie, what do you think the screenwriters did to, to make that so captivating? And what did you learn from that and sort of help us incorporate into a 40-minute talk? Yeah, I th that's that's a really great question. I think that part of the problem with the data in the movie was it all was gone into with bias and presuppositions and mis right yeah. and inaccurately done. What I love, I loved the interstitials. I love the pauses. I love how they expounded and said, if you don't know what this is, this is a blah 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 blah. And like they would sort of explain it using a poker metaphor, or blackjack exactly, metaphor, something like that. Yeah. And so that's taking something complicated, exactly what I was talking about, and making it relatable so the audience would understand what these things mean. So. So it's kind of like what you're trying to do with all this made simple, right? It's like yeah. they took this complicated concept where zillions of dollars were lost in our economy because some idiots made this massive greedy mistake and made us really understand it. it didn't make me have any empathy for them, right? right? right. But it made me understand how, how crooked they were and how corrupt it was. And even the scale of that, of what had happened, the scale of that they made clear. That was some brilliant. Great storytelling. I mean, just yeah. it's just absolutely amazing. Tell me a story of somebody that you worked with who had very complicated data and the kind of results they were getting or the fears and concerns they were have. And then they came in and worked with your team to clarify that story and things changed. Can you give us an example of what that looks like? One of the very first ones we had was uh, that we got in that was, I think, one of the more spectacular ones we had. It was long before, not long before, but I would say it was 2014. So it was before a lot of the governments had their content in databases. And the United Nations shipped us about 14 banker boxes of just data. And we just had to read it and read it. And they were asking us to find a pattern. They were asking us to find a pattern for why violence was happening. In, in certain countries, in certain areas of certain countries, mostly uh, African countries. And we had to go through all the data. We kept overlaying and overlaying and overlaying it. And we found that there were certain countries where there were three socioeconomic things happening at the same time that was creating youth violence. And mm. all, so we actually found in the data the case for why certain things were happening. And then we made the presentation that was done at the UN. So that's one that's where it was. Spectacular inconvenient truth is another one, right? Yeah, Where it's yeah. tons and tons of data. Were you coming over that for Al Gore? We worked with him five years before the movie. Yeah. Wow. And we so the, the whole presentation about a slideshow with data went around. He did a good job creating a groundswell, right? He went to all these communities, found the wealthiest people and communicated to them. And then the communities all had this like, oh my God, we gotta do something. And then when the movie came out, it kind of 
popped the groundswell open, I would say. You know, that's awesome. And if you are struggling, if you've got a data story that you've got to tell to shareholders or to me, to Congress and to the, the middle class <laughs> American public, uh, uh, where can we go? And, and probably I'm going to be in one of these uh, workshops. Uh, you're just going to see me in the back of the room. Uh, where can we go to, to hire your people to help us figure this out? Yeah, a ton of information is on Duarte.com. It's it's Nancy Duarte. No, it's just Duarte, D-U-A-R-T-E. D-U-A-R-T-E, at Nancy Duarte. And I do connect to anyone who connects me on LinkedIn. So those are the best ways. Okay. The book is Data Story. Go pick it up on Amazon or wherever you buy books. D-U-A-R-T-E.com if you want to hire uh, Nancy's people to help you figure out your data story. Well, Nancy, as always, brilliant help, and we're just so grateful to know you. You've helped so many people find their voice and get their message out. No telling how many talks we've heard that have run through your people and your filter, and uh, you're, you're, you're doing what we do. You're trying to give the microphone to the right people, and uh, I'm grateful for you. Oh, I'm grateful for you, too. You're the best, Don. Thanks. All right, judges, let's start a petition, get Nancy to Washington, D.C., and say, explain the debt. For real. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) She needs to do that for us. The book is called Data Story. And again, if you have shareholders, uh, if you have a P&L that you have to read, if you have numbers that are complicated that you need to explain to vendors, clients, or even your own team, Data Story is a great place to start. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. I always love stuff like that when I can geek out. Me too. (laughs) I mean, you know, if we can figure out how to simplify the truth without losing the truth yeah and help people understand that's how you affect change it all starts with that kind of awareness music from this episode is by andrew bell you can listen to andrew's latest record dive deep hushed on spotify or itunes thanks as always for listening to the building a story brand podcast where we believe if you confuse you'll lose noise is the enemy and creating a clear message is the best way to reverse the national debt